turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. WTBN Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. The first principle God uses to encourage the depressed is, number one, he restores broken fellowships, broken relationships. But the second principle that God uses to encourage the depressed explains to us how, how those relationships are restored. And the principle is this, he produces repentance in sorrowful Christians. He produces repentance in sorrowful Christians. This is so important. Some of us live by the rule that we want to avoid pain at all costs. We never deal with conflict. We never confront our problems. And we even deny that any of that bothers us. We think we are better off acting like nothing is wrong, even though it may be eating us up on the inside. We are discovering in this message series out of 2 Corinthians that God can restore our broken lives and our broken relationships, but not without causing some sorrow and pain getting through the process. Today, we might say, no pain, no gain. Thanks for joining us today on Verse by Verse. I am sure this message is going to be a blessing to you. Here's Pastor Steve. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. We are continuing on our study, and we're going to look at a passage of verses, passage of Scripture that might strike you as a little bit odd at first glance, and I'll tell you why in a few moments. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning at verse 8. Paul writes, For though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I see that the letter caused you sorrow, though only for a while. I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance, for you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. This is one of the most unusual passages in the entire Bible, not not just 2 Corinthians. And I'll tell you why. Because these verses actually tell us that, that Paul rejoiced over the Corinthian sorrow. He was happy about their sorrow. He was happy about their emotional pain. In fact, in these three verses, seven times... Seven times Paul mentions the words uh, sorrow or sorrowful, and he says that their sorrow, the Corinthian sorrow, actually caused him to rejoice. What makes this even more unusual is that Paul states that he caused this sorrow. It's not just that they were feeling bad. He actually made them feel bad. And he doesn't regret it. In fact, he says he's glad he did it. In verse 8, he says, For though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. I don't regret it. He mentions that his reaction is one of joy. He said that actually in verse 7, just before this, when he speaks about what Titus, uh, the word Titus brought to Paul about how the Corinthians felt now concerning Paul. And he said that he reported to us in verse 7, Your longing 
your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. He said, when I heard that you were mourning for me, I'm happy about that. Verse 9, he said, I now rejoice. I now rejoice. So what kind of a man was Paul? What kind of a man enjoys knowing that he caused an entire church to mourn? Because that's really what happened. Well, you know, it actually goes deeper than this. It gets even better. Because he tells us in verses 5 through 7 that before he heard about the Corinthians' remorse, he was depressed. Look at this. Verse 5, for even when we came into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were afflicted on every side, conflicts without, fears within. Paul said, I I was worrying. Uh, When he says that uh, his flesh had no rest, he means that he was was down. He, He was anxious. He had persecution on the outside, fears and worries on the inside. He was pressed in in both places. And he says in verse 6, but God who comforts the depressed. What depressed is he referring to? Himself. He's the depressed. He's the depressed one. So he said before he heard uh, how the Corinthians felt about their remorse, he was depressed. But when his friend Titus arrived from Corinth and reported to Paul that the Corinthians were now sorrowful for the way they had treated the apostles, you know what he said? He said, I snapped out of my depression. When I heard how bad they felt, I felt better. Yeah, look, look, he says, but God who comforts the, comforts the depressed comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, he's saying it's not that he just physically arrived there and I felt better, but it's what he told us. He said, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted in you. You comforted Titus, and here's why. And it brought comfort to me. As he reported to us your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. Yeah, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I was really down. But when I heard you were down, I felt so much better. So kind of a person was Paul? Because it really sounds at first glance that this was one sick puppy. This was, this was a guy who got his kicks out of seeing other people suffer. He just felt real good about it. Well, that's only at first glance. Only at first glance, because that really was not the way Paul was, and that's not what he is teaching here, because the apostle doesn't actually describe himself as rejoicing because the Corinthians were sad. He did not rejoice because they felt bad. You should understand that. It wasn't their sorrow per se that made Paul glad. It was their repentance over their sin that he rejoiced in. And the sorrow, the sorrow delighted his heart only because their sorrow produced repentance. That's, that's the point of this. In fact, let's look at the whole of verse 9. He said, I now rejoice. And then he clarifies this. I'm not, I'm not rejoicing because you're feeling bad. I now rejoice not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. Paul didn't get his kicks out of, out of hearing the people felt bad. Paul was delighted because their sorrow led them to repent. Now, last week we began to study this really final section of chapter 7. It begins in verse 5. We have already touched on that. And Paul is telling us that he was filled with anxiety while awaiting for Titus to bring news back to him about how the Corinthians felt about him and his first letter that he had written. He was afraid that they would reject him, and in doing so, they would reject God's word. And that's important that we understand that. This is not about Paul personally. Paul, I'm sure like everybody else, 
wanted to be well-liked, but that's not the point here. The point that, that Paul is making is it's, he was very much concerned about how the Corinthians felt about him because if they rejected him, essentially they rejected then God's channel for divine revelation, the main channel being the Apostle Paul. So to reject Paul is to reject an apostolic uh, minister, to reject the truth of God's word. And this was what left him in a state of depression. But here's the good news. In verse 6, he affirms and he reveals to us that though he was depressed, God is the one who encourages or comforts the depressed. Paul didn't stay in a state of, of depression. He was down, and that's what that word means. He was down. He was emotionally down. But that's not where he stayed. The Lord brought him up from being in the pits of depression. And that's really what this passage hinges on. This passage of Scripture, if you want to get a handle on it, it, it reveals timeless truths about how God lifts us out of depression. Paul's a living illustration. This is a personal portion of Scripture. A lot of personal things here, but it's not, uh, it, it's not limited to Paul's personal experience because the principles here reveal how God takes us as believers in Christ when we're down and how he lifts us up and encourages us. In fact, the word comfort uh, does not mean sympathy. It means to encourage or to strengthen, to come alongside and strengthen us. And, and the good news is, is that if, if the Lord did this for Paul, then he will do it for us because he is the source of encouragement when we're depressed. It's, it, the cure is not found in a bottle. It's not found in a prescription drug. It's not found in drinking. It's not found in getting a vacation. It's found in Jesus Christ. The Lord is the source of encouragement. And in this passage of Scripture, Paul tells us how God comforts the downcast by he reveals to us several principles that the Lord uses to lift us out of depression. Now, last week we began to look at the first principle, and if you're taking notes, it's this. The first principle God uses to encourage depressed believers is, number one, he renews broken relationships. He renews broken relationships. He says, and I'll read it again in verses 6 and 7, but God who comforts the depressed comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted in you, as he reported to us. Your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. The news that, that Titus brought to Paul about the Corinthians involved their change of attitude, their change of heart towards the apostle Paul. They had hurt him deeply by rejecting him. And they rejected at first his, his stern rebukes, which were revealed in his first letter to them. We know it as 1 Corinthians they even questioned whether the man was, was a true apostle, whether he was a real man of God. And last Paul had heard, the Corinthians had closed their hearts to him and, uh, and they distrusted him. They thought he was a crafty little fellow who just wanted their money and really was insincere in his love for them. That's the last Paul knew. And so he's very much concerned as he waits in Macedonia for Titus to arrive back from meeting with the Corinthians and telling Paul what was the latest. What did they now feel about him? And when Titus arrives, he, he reports to Paul that the Corinthians, the good news is the Corinthians have changed their minds about you. Oh, there were still problems there. 
because the letter goes on to tell us about some of those problems. But for the most part, they had changed their minds about Paul, and they had new feelings, new attitudes towards him. And those new attitudes are revealed in in three phrases at the end of verse 7. Number one, he reported to us your longing, meaning your your longing for me. They longed to see Paul again. They wanted him to return. They longed not just for a visit uh, from him, but they longed for renewed fellowship. They wanted the warmth of his fellowship. They realized that they had broken a relationship with him. They wanted to sit under his teaching and enjoy uh, what they enjoyed previously with him. They longed for that. Secondly, he reported to us, you're mourning for me. The Corinthians literally mourned over the way they had treated Paul. They mourned. They, they wept. They really felt bad. They had genuine remorse over the way they had grieved his heart by rejecting him and his letter. And thirdly, he says, your zeal for me. Instead of disregarding the sins that Paul had confronted the Corinthians about, they were now zealous in their commitment to obey Paul and carry out his instructions. They, they, they couldn't do enough. They were ready now to follow through. Now, the principle... The eternal, timeless principle behind all these new attitudes the Corinthians felt towards Paul that lifted the apostle out of depression is this. He lifts us out of depression by restoring broken relationships. Many people are just so down because those they were once very close to, that there's been a breach in that relationship. If you've experienced the pain of a of broken fellowship or a severed relationship, the warmth is gone, the glow is gone, maybe you still see those people, but something is really lacking, and, and you're down about it, understand that God is the one who brings comfort to your troubled heart to by, by restoring that love and fellowship. That's what this is teaching. That's why Paul really rejoiced. There are many people who are just so down, so depressed, because things are not right with other people. And they don't know quite what to, to do about it. Well, you do what Paul did. You pray and you confront them, their sin. And God lifted him out of depression. Now, how did it change? What, what changed in their hearts? How did it come about? Well, that's what we want to look at in the next few verses. And that brings us to our study this morning because the first principle God uses to encourage the depressed is, number one, he restores broken fellowships, broken relationships. But the second principle that God uses to encourage the depressed explains to us how, how those relationships are restored. And the principle is this, he produces repentance in sorrowful Christians. He produces repentance in sorrowful Christians. This is so important. In fact, there's so much in my heart to share about this that uh, next week I'm going to speak even more about the issue of repentance. Verse 8, For though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that that letter caused you sorrow though only for a while. After rejoicing over, over the new attitudes of the Corinthians that they now have for him, Paul in this verse begins to reveal how this change of heart came about. There really was a change. How did it take place? And he says it started with sorrow caused by his first letter. That's where it began. This is what he means when he says, for though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. In other words, I know that my first letter hurt you deeply. Corinthians, I know that it grieved you. And, and it grieved you because I confronted you about your many sins. But I don't regret writing it. That's what he's saying. I know that I hurt you because I had to deal with some important issues, but I don't regret it. 
1 Corinthians, as you know, is a very strong letter. And it really did. It pricked the conscience of the Corinthians. It was a letter that Paul himself actually grieved to write. We've looked at this before, but let me remind you of this 2 Corinthians 2.4 when he says to them, For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears. When Paul penned 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians rather, he cried. As I've told you before, it may very well be that the original manuscripts, which nobody has, but the original manuscripts may very well have had the, the, the stains from Paul's tears right on those pages. But not only did it grieve Paul to, to write this letter, it, it, it grieved the Corinthians to read it because he dealt with their sin and that hurt. So Paul says that even though this letter brought sorrow to the entire church, he didn't have any regrets about making them feel bad. Now, you may think that Paul was pretty heartless, pretty cruel, pretty cold to be glad that he hurt them, not regret it. But look further at verse 8. Notice that there was a time when Paul did have some reservations about hurting the Corinthians. He says, for though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. And he means when he says, I I don't regret it, meaning I don't regret it right now. I don't regret it now. There's no regrets right now. But watch this, though I did regret it, there was a time when he had regrets, for I see that this letter caused you sorrow, though only for a while. What Paul is saying is that before he heard from Titus that the Corinthians had changed their minds about him, he did have some regrets about sending the letter because he knew that this letter would cause a great deal of anguish. He knew it would be painful. Now, I don't think Paul is saying he regretted writing the letter because he knew he was an inspired apostle and he knew they needed to hear this and he knew this was the best thing for them. But there's also a sense in which he has mixed feelings knowing that they need to hear this, but I really do I really want to hurt people. I understand this as one who has to counsel people. You know that you, you may deeply hurt them by what you have to say, And you don't regret saying it because people need to hear the truth of the word of God. But you know that it's going to hurt them. And nobody takes pleasure in that. Paul didn't take pleasure in hurting and inflicting pain upon the Corinthians. It's sort of like this. It's it's like a loving father. Paul was like a loving father who has to spank his, his little disobedient child because he loves that child. Has to do that because he has to teach correction and there's consequences for sin but also because he loves that child he doesn't take pleasure in knowing that he's going to inflict pain it's it's sort of like um, that that father who has to say to his child which they never believe this hurts me more than it hurts you I tried not to say that by the way because I knew that wasn't true it was going to hurt them more than it hurt me but I also knew that honestly it did hurt me to do that a different type of pain There's an emotional anguish to hurting a child. No, nobody wants to do that. But when you love someone, you must hurt them to help them. Someone may say, and I I hear this, and I know this is the attitude of many Christians, then why inflict pain at any any time at all? That that is something that Christians believe, many of them. It's an attitude that, that some people have in addressing the sin issues in other people. If I hurt them, uh, why do it then? I would like peace at all costs. See, you want to understand Paul's heart here, and you want to understand what the Word says. Paul's goal was not to bring continuous sorrow to the Corinthians and leave them in that state of perpetual sadness. That that wasn't what he was saying. His ultimate objective 
was to bring temporary sorrow to the Corinthians over their sin so that their sorrow would result in repentance. And when they repented, their sorrow would vanish. And that is precisely what happened. Let's look at verses 8 and the beginning of verse 9. For though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it, meaning I don't regret it now. Why, Paul? Though I did regret it, When I sent it, for I see that this letter caused you sorrow, though only for a while. Literally, that expression for a while means for an hour. And he's not talking about a literal physical hour. It means that it was brief, a comparatively short time. He goes on to say, I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. In other words, the reason Paul has no regrets now about sending such a strong letter though it brought tremendous sorrow to the entire church, was because their sorrow was just brief, it was temporary, and it resulted in repentance. That's what Paul is teaching. Now, I want to pause here for a few minutes and pull out some important principles and appropriate applications and truths from this text. I think this is very important. First of all, it it is significant to realize that Paul did not mind causing short term pain in order to produce long-term good. That's very important. He did not mind bringing the Corinthians sorrow for a brief time if their sorrow was to lead them to repentance. Now, what does that say to us? This is very pertinent. It says that if we really love someone, really love someone with biblical love, as Paul loved the Corinthians, then we're going to have to wound them with the truth and pointing out their sin. That's right. This is precisely what the writer in Proverbs means. In Proverbs 27, 6, when he says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. It is someone who is a true friend who will love you enough to wound you with the truth. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. It is your enemy, not someone who loves you, who will deceive you and tell you everything is okay with you, when it's not okay with you. You do have to wound people in order to help them because sorrow is a prerequisite to repentance. Nobody ever repented without grief over their sin. And nobody ever had grief over their sin unless their sin was pointed out to them. But you know, there are many Christians who are not willing to do this. I I know that. I know that though I'm going to be strong in preaching this and I've said it to people privately, they will not do it. They won't do it. They would rather avoid the consequences of having someone be annoyed at them for pointing out their sin or the consequences of causing pain by confronting them about their sin. And they just won't do it. But I want to tell you something, and I'm going to hurt you to tell you this. If you avoid pointing out a fellow believer's sin because you don't want them to feel bad, then at least be honest about it. You do not love them like you think. You are deceiving yourself. You do not have their best interests at heart. You may say that you love them, but you do not love them because if you truly love them, you would want them to repent because that is what's best for them. What you really are concerned about is yourself more than them. What will they think about me? What will be our relationship after? I don't want to make them cry. So you really, you don't, you don't love them. Paul loved the Corinthians. 
And he took the consequences. Even if the whole church rejected him, he still told them the truth in love. In fact, if you look back, look back at 2 Corinthians 2.4, and let me read the whole thing to you again. We just touched on the first part before. He says in verse 4 of chapter 2, For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears. But he didn't stop there. He explained why. Not so that you would be made sorrowful. That wasn't my ultimate goal, to make you feel bad but that you might know the love which I have especially for you. O Corinthians, though I made you feel bad, understand behind that was a heart of love that cared about you. Who else would tell you this but someone who loves you? If I didn't care about you, I'd say everything's cool, everything's fine. You're okay. God will work through many sources to bring about the change that we need in our lives and in our fragile relationships. As we heard today, sometimes it takes sorrow, even painful confrontation, to bring about healthy change in our lives. None of us look forward to that kind of painful experience, but we need it. This study gets right to the heart of how we deal with problems in our lives and why we have trouble getting past those problems a lot of the time. Steve Kreloff, pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, will continue this series the next time we are together. If you would like more information, check out our website, versebyverseradio.org, or call us at 727-239-0306. We'd love to help you in any way we can. For our whole team, this is Jerry Pruden saying, see you next time here on Verse by Verse. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse by W262CP 